Okay, make a path. Moses. I went to a certain coffee shop before church, and there was an older gentleman walking with a staff walking in. I thought he was like, he was like Moses without the beard. It was the coolest thing. I started talking with the guy, and he was an old hippie dude, and <laughs> talking about hitchhiking and stuff, like, you know, but, but the staff thing. Anyway, oh boy, does it have to do anything? Nothing. Nothing. It has nothing to do with anything. First of all, let's pray, and then... Uh, and uh, we will get uh, started. Oh, oh, one more thing. We want to pray. We want to still be in prayer for God to provide eventually a place of our own. Okay, that's going to be the underlying prayer we pray throughout the coming weeks, months, whatever, you know. New, t- new change, new time change can take use. Have you guys liked to read? You know, the promise of the scriptures for, is for us, right? Okay, it's one thing to read the scripture and say, well, that was written to so-and-so a long time ago. That was for them, it's another thing that says, no, no, I'm claiming that promise for me. Okay? The scripture's full of promises, and they're full of, of words of encouragement and promises that God has for us. And it's okay to say, Lord, I'm laying claim on that. Just like the woman said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to get healed. Okay? There is something that happens. God responds when you do something with expectation. Right? God does something when you act out of faith, expecting him to do something. It's like he fills in the gap, so to speak, right? I have this, but I need that, and I'm expecting and believing God for, for more, right? So we want to be that kind of church. We want to be the church that's, that believes God, because it's all God, right? It's all God doing his thing. Am I on this? Am I? Is this, is this, is this on? I just want to make sure it's on, because... It's on. Okay, just make sure it's not muted, you know. So we want to be a kind of church that believes and asks God for big things. Because here's what happens. If I read something in the Scripture, now this is not in the notes, it has nothing to do with what we're talking about tonight, but just I feel led to share it. But if I'm reading something in Scripture, listen, if God has something, a promise for you and I, for me or for you or whoever, I want to claim it and say, hey, I'm going to believe in that. I want everything that God has to offer. I don't want to get to heaven and say, Jesus said, you know, I had so much more in store for you, but you didn't ask. You have not because you asked not. Why not ask? See what God does, right? Why not trust? Why not step out of the boat? Why not pray crazy big prayers? Why not? What do we have to lose, right? Why not say, God, we got the ocean in the front and Egyptians in the back. Do something, okay? Why not? Because here's what happens. Is sometimes we get to the point in our lives where, where we think, oh, oh, God can't or he won't, blah, blah, blah. And God says, wait a second here. I've already told you this. I can and I will, right? Anyway, so what are we talking about? Ephesians, okay, let's pray. I know, I'm, I'm uh, hello. It must be the coffee. I had, you know, I didn't have the normal drip coffee tonight. I had the, I had the, uh, I had the, uh, the shots of, uh, what's it called, the Americano the espresso, hello, whoo, you know, <laughs> yeah, all right, let's pray, we have fun, Lord, thank you so much for the joy we have in you, <coughs> excuse me, thank you for your grace that you give to us, thank you for your presence here, thank you for the wonderful worship tonight, and uh, the fellowship we have with one another, <laughs> Lord, we give you, we want to bless you, Lord, we come here and we want to praise you and bless you and uh, we seek your face God and we love you and we anticipate your your word will not return void it will do its work in us Lord and so we invite your Holy Spirit to speak through your word and bless his time in Jesus name guess what open up the Ephesians chapter 4 Tim the Lord was speaking to you when you were saying what you said because guess what I'm going to talk about today he was talking about the words, how we're supposed to be careful with our words. See, we didn't talk, right? You didn't see me. I'm thinking, dude, did you look at my notes? No, that was the Lord, okay? The Lord speaks to you, brother. He speaks through you. Even when you feel like you're, you're useless and don't measure up, he speaks to you. He speaks through you. He uses you. I want to encourage you in that. Ephesians 4. How are you guys doing? All right. Ephesians 4, we're going to cover a couple of verses tonight, just a couple. Verse uh, 29, actually verse 25. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth each one of you with his neighbor, 
For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin, and do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but he must rather rather labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he may have something to share with the one who has need. We talked about the honor of work last week, the, the glorious pleasure it is to work, and the, 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 the beautiful thing is to, have to, to work and contribute to life. Verse 29, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption, and let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God and Christ also forgave you. He goes on from there. Paul is talking about in this section how we have been made brand new in Christ. He says, listen, you have put off the old man and you have put on the new man. There's new things about you that you're to put on because there's something new about you in Christ. He goes through a list of things where he says, put off lying, tell the truth, put off anger, right? Be patient, you know, or <laughs> be slow to anger, you know? Don't steal any longer, but work, right? He goes through this list of very practical things. In this verse, in verse 29, he says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Now, there's going to be, our words have power, okay? Our words have tremendous power. Our words have tremendous power. And we know God's word has actually the ultimate power. But there's something powerful in the words that we speak. We can encourage someone or discourage somebody. We can instill hope and inspiration or we could lead somebody to despair by our words. We can lead people to dream or we can lead them to give up in hopelessness. Words are used every day, right? There's, how many of you guys ever get a, 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 a phone call or a text message, a voicemail or an email that says, hey, call me up, I have, I have to talk to you about something. Every guys ever, I, I, I cringe, I cringe when I get a voicemail. Have you guys ever, you guys cringe? Somebody calls you up, right? Let's say it's a stranger or it's somebody you know, they call, hey, we need to talk. Now what's going through your mind? I'm in trouble. Why? Why are you thinking that? Because you're afraid that they're going to say something that's going to hurt you, right? You're cringing at, what poten- at the potential words they'll speak to you. You're preparing yourself, right? I got a, a voicemail one t- recently, a message, hey, give me a call. I had no idea what this person wanted to talk about. I was like, oh, man, am I in trouble? I had to go through my list in my mind. Did I say something? Did I do something? And I was bracing myself because the words could... Now, this person was a, was a stranger. But they still had potential to lay some power on, on my soul and cause me to cringe, right? So there's power in our words, right? A counselor uses words to counsel somebody, right? They speak they ask questions. They listen. Pastor does the same thing, right? Jesus uses words to teach people, right? It says in John, and what John, Luke 4, and they were wondering at the gracious words that were falling from his lips. Jesus starts his ministry. He reads Luke chapter 4, which is a quote from Isaiah 61, which is the life verse of this church. And after he reads that verse, Closes up, he said, this day that verse has been fulfilled in your hearing, and they were amazed. And they said, and it says, they were wondering at the gracious words that were falling from his lips. A politician uses words. I don't trust their words, but they use his words to persuade, right? Vote for me, I promise you, do give you good things, right? Not all politicians are the same. Authors use words. How many of you guys like to read good literature? Okay? Good, you know, I think of The Lord of the Rings, right? 
The author uses words to create worlds and characters and conflicts and ideas, right? And they use all that with, from somebody's brain onto a piece of paper that's, that's powerful, right? We all can quote from our favorite movies and favorite stories, you know? Luke, I'm your father. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Star Wars fans. Any, any Star Wars? Okay, or um, let's think of another, I don't know. So words are powerful. <laughs> Our words have power. Here's my goal for today. Paul says, go back to Ephesians, as if you left there, but I left there, but let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only a word that is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. We're going to camp out on this one verse. I'll touch upon verse 30 as well. There's really three goals of our speech. Three goals. Here's my intent. Here's where I'm going. Here's the big idea, okay? Let's just give it a big idea. God wants us to speak in such a way that it doesn't hurt people, that's obvious, that it helps people, not just that, but it so blesses someone that their life is different because of what you said. Let's repeat that. God wants to use us to not hurt somebody with our words, but to help them, but not just help them, to help in such a way that their life is changed because of the words we say. Three areas, three goals, okay? God wants us to use our words in such a way that we don't hurt somebody, we help someone, and we bless them in such a way that their life is better because of the words we say. At the end of the day, if that's all you remember, is whoever I come in contact, I want the fact that their interaction with me will change their life, and so that in some way, they're better because I talk to them. I want that to be my goal. Now, that's, that's the goal. Now, let's talk about three, three goals. The first goal, of course, is the first part of verse 29. He says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Here's the first point. Remove the crud. Remove the crud or get rid of the rottenness. Remove the crud. What does that mean? He says, let no unwholesome word. How many of you guys have a different translation besides unwholesome? Let no evil talk come out of your mouth. What's that? Foul or abusive. Let no foul or abusive words come out of your mouth. Corrupt. Okay, the word there is the word, well, I could tell you what it, means, what it says in Greek, but we wouldn't really care for you, but <laughs> it's the word, it's sapros in Greek, and it's a word that means rotten. It means um, a word that means, now, I tried to rot this banana. Unfortunately, it's not really rotted. It's just brown and we left it out in the, in the sun you know because normally here's what happens you ever go to the store you buy the bananas they're nice and green you come home from the store and they're brown you ever notice that bananas don't last but like five minutes you know the word there is rotten it means putrid how many guys ever put uh, broccoli in your refrigerator and then forget about it broccoli you know okay broccoli creates gas. Not the most pleasant sounding thing. There's been times when we clean our, our fridge and we put the broccoli in the, in, the, in the trash can and let's say I come home and I say, what's that smell? It's the broccoli that's been rotting in my fridge. Now it's rotting in our trash can and the whole house smells it, right? It's the same word. It means rotten. It means means, means uh, it means bad. Jesus uses it. He says in Matthew 7, good trees bear good fruit, but bad trees bear bad fruit. And the word bad is rotten. It's unwholesome. How many of you guys like to have fish? Yeah, some people don't like to have fish because there's a fish smell. If it's a fish smell, it's bad. Okay, just give you a tip here. I was working at a place one time, and this lady at lunchtime decided to microwave for fish. 
Yeah, oh no. The whole office complex, the whole several floors of this place I worked at reeked of dead, riding fish. When I was a kid, we went fishing one time. I don't know if you guys remember. We went, Lewis and I went fishing. I don't know how old we were. We took the city bus to, to Lake Erie. It was, it was in Buffalo, New York. And my brother caught a fish, right? We must have been four, five years old, six at the time. He caught a fish. And we had to get up like super early in the morning, cast the net. You know, he caught a fish. And it looked this big. It's probably this big in real life. But, you know. And guess what we decided to do? We've talked, we took the bus, we took the bus home with this fish, and guess what the fish did to that bus? It stunk up the, it stunk up the bus. The whole bus reeked of this fish. That's what rotten, unwholesome words do. There's actually four characteristics of unrotten, unrotten, unwholesome speech. The first one, of course, like in smelly fish, is the whole atmosphere changes, doesn't it? When you speak words that are rotten and unwholesome, the atmosphere around you changes. It's like Pigpen in the Peanuts character, right? Everywhere he goes is this cloud of dust, you know? When you have language that's putrid and unwholesome, it changes something about the atmosphere where you're at. You don't realize it. It just does something, right? It creates, it, first thing, it affects the atmosphere. It's not pleasant to be around. It's not pleasant to be around somebody that uses foul language. It's unpleasant. Now, I know some of you are going to go in your car tonight or this afternoon and just use unpleasant words in your car. <laughs> it's because you want to, right? But with others around, act like you're with the Queen of England or something, you know? Secondly, like... How many of you guys would eat that rotten fish? How many of you guys would eat that rotten broccoli? Okay, it's, yeah, okay, okay. Most of the time, if you are going to take something that's rotten, it's going to be toxic for you, right? It's, gonna, it's not going to be good for you. It's going to do something to you. It's the same thing with our words. Remove the crud. Remove the abusive, unwholesome, rotten language because A, it affects the atmosphere. B, it's not good for anybody who hears it. It makes people sick. Words that are cutting of others. Words that tear people down. When you hear somebody put somebody else down, even if you're not the object of that, you hearing that, it injures you. You ever notice that? It affects you. It hurts your spirit. Even if this person is talking bad about somebody else, it affects you because it hurts. You feel that pain. It doesn't add to you. It's not good for you. Paul says in Colossians 3, (coughs) verse 8, excuse me, but now you also put them all aside, your anger, your wrath, your malice, your slander, and your abusive speech. And the word for abusive speech means foul mouth. It's ugly, it's shameful. Paul says, listen, first thing, when you want to talk with somebody, get rid of the rottenness. Now, that's obvious, right? Get rid of the rottenness, because it's not going to lead to anything, okay? It's the atmosphere changes. It's toxic. Um, it's also a sign of death, isn't it? Things dying. It's not a sign of life. Listen, as Christians, we want to be ones who spread life, Right? We have the life of Christ. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. We want to be, as Jesus says to the woman at John chapter 4, listen, you're going to drink from this well and you're going to thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water I give him will never thirst. And from his belly will come rivers of flowing water. What does that mean? That means the life that Christ gives you will so be gushing forth that you won't be the only one that's affected by it. Other people will be affected by it too. That's what I want to walk. I want to walk with my speech in such a way that it blesses people and not depreciates people. That it honors people, it honors God, that it brings life to the situation. Does that make sense? It's not nourishing. It's not nourishing the, these, this, the, the language. Jesus says it's the spirit who gives life and the, the flesh 
profits nothing. And of course, it's a sign of something that's dead. Words, words uh, examples of these words may be, you're no good. You'll never learn. You'll, you'll never measure up. How about, why can't you be like, you ever heard that before? If you, now, your brother or so-and-so does this, but you, I'm so disappointed. Why can't you be like, how about this? You always say that. You always do that. If you always preface this something that says you, followed by pretty much anything else, always, it's bad. You don't want to go there. It's bad news. You don't want to touch that, okay? Never say that to your wife, men. Don't, don't ever say, you always, because that's, that's looking for trouble, you shouldn't feel that way. I know you're hurt, but you shouldn't feel that way. Rotten words. Paul says, rid of those rotten words. Remove the crud. What do, what do bad, rotten words do to people? If I said, you're no good, what does that do to somebody? Crushes their spirit. What else? Devalues them. It discourages them. Defeats them. Now, some people say, well, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, puff them up too much, you know, because they'll get a big head. You ever hear that? You ever hear that? Okay. I was going to bring a balloon for illustration, but of course I didn't. I was going to bring a dead plant, a rotting fish, some broccoli, and balloon, but I didn't because I didn't want to say, I wanted to save you guys the atmosphere of a smelly room. But if I blow up a balloon, you ever guys blow up a balloon and, and blow it so big that it pops? Can you ever, ever see somebody with a repair kit for a balloon? Why? Because it's, it's not repairable. It is more difficult to, to help somebody with a crushed spirit than it is with anything else. 1 Corinthians 8.1, let me just read it to you. Paul says, knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. Knowledge will puff you up. But speaking words of kindness and love won't. Sometimes the things that people need to hear are the, are the encouragement. They need to hear the God loves you things, okay? When we speak rotten words, it causes defeat, discouragement, despair, doubt. And guess what else it does? Go to Ephesians 4 and verse 30. Look at verse 30. What does it say? Do not what? Grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you're slain. You know what that means? When you grieve the, Holy, grieve the Holy Spirit, what does it have to do with? It has to do with the whole context, but specifically the words you say can grieve the Holy Spirit. Why? Because one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit, as you'll see in this book, in the book of Ephesians, is that he's the one that brings people together. He's the one that helps reconcile people to Christ and to God, right? He's also the one that's a source of unity within the body, Right? And when he's a source of unity, if he sees something that causes disunity, it grieves him. Whether it's lying or stealing or thievering or whatever it is, but especially with our talk, it grieves God. Very few things grieve God, but this does. If it leads to something that will cause division, it grieves God. Because it's antithetical to what God wants to do. He wants to create unity. The devil is the one who wants to create disunity. It grieves him. The words we say... It implies this. We have to be very careful with the words we say. If I had a piece of wood, if I had a piece of wood, I don't have a piece of wood, I have a boat. Let's say I had had some big, huge spikes and nails and I start driving home, or if I I had a gun, I start shooting holes, it it would damage this wood tremendously. Our words have the same effect. In fact, some of us are walking around today with holes in our spirit because of words that somebody said to us even years ago. Words, holes that people don't see, but you carry. Wounds that people carry because of words that somebody spoke, a loved one, usually a mom or dad or a sibling or somebody that was important, and they're still there. Some people may say, listen, yes, it's, it's, you're puffing them up. We already talked about that. But some people say, listen, John, I just want to keep it real, Okay. I like to vent and just be real, right? And so I'll use some, some curse words here and there, right? And I'll just say what I feel because that's, I, you know, I want to be real, right? All right, I understand because I want to be real too, right? You're not being real by, by, by using those language. If you're in Christ, you're not being real. Because Christ is your brand new. 
You're not the old man. The old man was known to do that. Now, you can use strong language when, at the time, time permits. You know what I'm saying? Is within the community of the body of Christ, let's purify our words, right? Christ says, you're new. Paul says, you're brand new in Christ. Now put that on. You used to say this. You used to do this. You used to do it this way. But now Christ has made you new. There's new things you need. Is that the Jesus you want to communicate to people? Is that the Jesus you want to, is the Jesus you want to demonstrate? You know what? Jesus had the hardest time with people who were fake. The, the fake religious people, right? He had the hardest time with the, the fake religious people. Yeah, keep it real. But how about... Let's keep it real by putting on Christ. Communicate like Christ would. Words of hope, words of encouragement, words of grace, words of truth and love. Paul, if you look at uh, the book of Acts, Paul goes from breathing threats and, and murder against the disciples to praying. There's a change in his life from what he was before Christ to after Christ. All I'm saying is, because we know Christ, there has to be a way in the change how we speak. Now, I, get, trust me, give me, I, I get real, okay? And there's times when I get real with God, right? And that's the t- appropriate place. But when I found with you guys, I don't want to say anything that will cause somebody else to stumble or, give, or miscommunicate who Jesus really is or what he's about. Does that make sense? You guys are deep in thought. We are deep in thought, church, today. Okay. <laughs> okay, so remove the crud. That's the first point. Three-point sermon. Guess what? Second point. Verse 29. Second point is this. Water the garden. Don't withhold. It's like, water the garden? Well, here's what I mean by that. Look at verse 29. But only speak a word. Okay, don't let any unwholesome crud-like word come out of your mouth. First point, second point, but only such a word as good for edification. Now, I was going to say ready to rebuild, but that sounds kind of cheesy. I said water the garden, don't withhold. What does that mean? Okay, if our job is to, okay, let's purify the words we say. The second point is now, what's our objective? Is to rebuild. Speak a word that's good for edification, means building, edifice, rebuilding somebody, okay? Let your words be words that, uh, that add, not subtract, that benefit somebody else, not take away from somebody else. Does that make sense? When I say water the garden, no withhold, here's what I mean by that. There are times when God will give you something kind to say to somebody and you'll hold it back. You ever experienced that? Where you wanted to say something, but you, uh, I don't know, Okay, here's, okay, maybe not the best example. I'm, I'm, I'm jogging recently, right? I'm jogging. And it's at night. And I look, there's a car coming up, and he has no lights on. Now, I could have, I could have said, I could say, oh, the car has no lights on. Great, God bless you, right? I stopped, and I flashed my lights at the guy, you know, like, like that. Why? Because if he drove without lights on, I was afraid that somebody might get hit, so, I, so the guy's like, what? I said, your lights, put your lights on, right? Now that's a simple example. That maybe not the best example, but my point is this. Say something, because it might save somebody's life or it may encourage them. The words that you say, if God leaves words in your heart, don't hold back. Go with it. Speak those words. Water the garden, don't withhold. Why, do, <clears throat> let me ask you, so, uh, how many of you guys, um, why do people tear other, other people down or tear themselves down? Pride? Who said? Try the, okay, so you tear somebody else down because you want to make you look better, right? Pain. You're in pain. What else? What's that? Hurt people hurt people. Yeah, you're hurt, and so you're going to replace, you're going you're gonna to re- do the cycle. You got hurt, and I'm going to pass it on to you. What else? To get even. You may have spite. Well, I'll show her. Well, you look ugly in that dress, you know, or something like that. <laughs> something silly like that. You, you tear somebody else down to make you look better or to make them feel bad. Or because you got hurt and you want to pass that hurt on to somebody else and say, hey, I'm in, the hurting, I'm in the hurting camp. I want you to join my camp. And they say, no, well, guess what? I'm going to hurt you so you can join my camp and we can hurt together. 
Sometimes we tear people down because we feel insecure. We have unforgiveness, maybe, or we have anger, or maybe we're just jealous. Maybe you just don't know what to do otherwise. Paul says in Romans 14, he says, Pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. He says in Romans 15, Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you also are doing. It's so important because you don't know the words that you could say that have the impact of making somebody's day or life change around. The words you say may help correct their course of action. Maybe they're ready to give up. And you spoke something in a timely way. They had no idea what they were facing, and God used you to Shut them back. I can imagine someday we'll get to heaven and, and God will show us, I was going to say videotapes, but you know, whatever the heavenly version of videotapes, <laughs> it's not beta or VHS and not CD, whatever it is, and he'll show us how he used us in other people's lives to help them out by our very words. Our words ought to bring correction, ought to bring refreshment, ought to be nourishing to the person's soul. What kind of words build people up? What kind of words do you like to hear that build you up? What kind of words that build you up? Confidence. Praise. Man, that was a good job. I love how you sing and play the bass, and you got that bass thing going on with your bass and your bass voice. Yeah, I love that. And hearing you guys sing beforehand, just to create, I mean, just, you give somebody praise. You see something nice. You edify them. Because most people, here's a clue. Here's a clue, okay? Let's just give you, right here, watch. 99% of the people out there walk around with on their forehead saying, make me feel important. I want to feel important. Is that true? Who are the people you love hanging out with? The ones who put you down? Or the ones that make you feel special. Man, it's so good here. My dad's here. My mom's here. Okay, that's a blessing from God, right? <laughs> and my stepdad too, but <laughs> that's a blessing from the Lord. And I praise the Lord for that. That's a God thing, you know? Words of, of praise to God. Words that are full of hope. Words that says God can help Words of value, of love, a promise, a belief, of forgiveness. Words of patience, words of, words of gratitude, of wisdom, of joy. These kind of words. You know what it's like? It's like a flower. How many, guys, how many guys have a green thumb in here? Okay, all five of us, right? Okay, Pedro, you, you okay. Person has a green thumb. Somehow plants grow where they. You know, I buy a plant. I take it home and it's dead before you know it. Right? Some people they buy a plant and it's already blossoming into a forest before they get home. You know, because some people just have that. Right? Plants need things. Right? They need the right environment. They need the oxygen and carbon dioxide. They need the right soil. They need the water and they need the sunshine. I'm talking about the watering. Don't refuse to water somebody's soul. Sprinkle a little water here, a little water there. Spread the kind words of somebody. Let me challenge you. Actually look, make it your objective to actually look for people that you can encourage and bless. It takes the focus off yourself, for one thing, because most of the time we're selfish, right? Most of the time we're like, well, what about me? And I need this, and I need my needs. You know, here's what will happen. What you're looking for will happen as you bless others. Look for somebody. In fact, go to uh, Isaiah. Go to Isaiah um, chapter 50. Go to Isaiah 50 in verse 4. I love this verse. Isaiah 50 verse 4. The servant of the Lord says this. He says, Isaiah 50 verse 4. And it's on the screen in case um, if you can see it. He says, the Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a what? With a word. 
Then he says, he awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. The Lord has opened my ear, and I was not disobedient, nor did I turn my back. Now, I was talking about Jesus right there. Here's the point. His prog- here's his process. He listens to the Lord. He receives from the Lord, and he gives what God has given him with the word. And the weary one, the word there actually means bent. It means distorted. Maybe somebody that's been, been, been crippled in some way, spiritually, emotionally, and that person straightens them up. Your word can help be the one that straightens up that person. Does that make sense? Look for a person that you can bless and build up. Let's go back to Ephesians. We have one last point, third point. Third point. First point was what? Remove the crud. Remove the broccoli. (laughs) Second point. Build somebody else up or... Don't forget the water of the garden, right? Here's the third point. Third point. Spread sunshine, not shadows. <laughs> sunshine. This, listen, listen, listen. This, listen. I know it sounds corny, but spread shun, sunshine, not shadows. That's going to be a tongue twister. Spread sh- sunshine. Now, that's going to get me every... <laughs> Spread sunshine and don't cast shadows. Spread sunshine and not shadows. Okay? Sunshine, not shadows. Okay, What's, that sounds kind of corny, John. What's that mean? That means that where you go as a plant needs sunshine, a person who, has, who needs words of encouragement, you be that source. Don't cast a shadow. Nobody wants more shadows, right? We can cast our own shadows. How many of you guys have a struggle with putting yourself down? How do we talk to ourselves? Do we encourage ourselves? Do we water and spend, you know, what is it? Most of us already have a problem with having a hard time with how we feel about ourselves, right? We don't need more criticism. We already criticize ourselves as it is. That's why we cringe, because we are cringing more criticism from one of the ones we're already feeling, and what we really need is an ointment of help. Don't tell me what I already know, because I already know it, because I already beat myself about what I know, and now I don't measure up. I don't need to know that. It doesn't help me out. Oh, you know, do you realize that, you know, your, your, your left eyebrow is bigger than your right eyebrow? You know, great, I already knew that, but, you know, I don't really. I'm just making that up. But we don't need that. It's not helpful. It doesn't add. It's not water. It's not sunshine. It's not good soil. I don't know what it is. It's, it's crud. <laughs> Can you say that in church? <laughs> I guess we just did. Speak so that somebody's life is better because of what you said. This is, listen, when I was studying this, I was studying this for myself because I struggle with this. I struggle with negativity. I struggle with lack of confidence. I struggle with critical spirit. I struggle with that personally, okay? So I challenge myself as I'm reading this, I'm challenging like, Lord, I want to live this. And so I try to do an experiment of how would this work, you know? I go into the coffee shop or I go into church or I go into work or wherever it is and that person is important that you're looking at. That person has been sent by God on your course, divine appointment. And even if it's just a few words that says, hey, bless you, brother. Or just something where they say, who was that masked man or something? You know, I say, but they say, they say, wow, that, that I'm blessed. We may be the only Jesus. You do realize, you know, Jesus could have stayed here, but he decided to leave, but he also fills it with his Holy Spirit. So each one of us, Dad, you have patients and come to your office. You have people you work with that are, now of course they're in your chair and they're a captive audience. <laughs> and you're a dentist, so you can numb them up and stick those little bite blocks in their mouth, and you know you can, and you can, you can talk, you can bless them, you can speak blessings to them. There's something powerful about blessing somebody. 
Jesus says, when you go into a town, bless it. If they don't receive you, take your blessing back. Shake off the dust of your feet and exit that town. But the first thing he says, bless it. There's power in the blessing that you speak because you're speaking as a representative of Christ. And let that blessing be such that, wow, Christ was here through this person and my life is, hey, my, water, my soul got water today. Speak words <coughs> that are full of grace. Look what he says back in Ephesians 4. He says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but that which is good for edification according to the need of the moment. Of course, there's a time to say things at the appropriate time, right? That's a whole other thing. But here's the goal. So that it will give grace to those who hear. So that it gives grace to the hearer. The word grace, charis, is from the Greek word car, C-H-A-R. We would say char, but it's car. And what it means in the, in the classical Greek root, it indicates things which produce well-being. Grace is from the word that means things that produce well-being. Jesus was known for his gracious words, right? I already uh, spoke of Luke 4, 22. And all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words that were falling from his lips. And they were saying, this is not Joseph's son. He's the carpenter. He's speaking like this. Well, yeah, he's sort of the carpenter's son, but not really. He's the son of God. Simon Peter says to Jesus in John 6, 68, says, Lord, Jesus says, well, you guys want to go too? You guys want to leave me? Everybody else is leaving me. Oh, you want to go too? And Jesus, Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. <coughs> Jesus spoke gracious words. His words brought healing, literally, spiritually, emotionally. It was something that produced a well-being. Jesus sees somebody named Matthew. He's a tax collector. People hated tax collectors because they worked for the government, and the government at that time was the Romans, and they were traitors, they thought. And he, Jesus comes to, comes to Matthew, and he says, you're not Matthew, you're, you're female Matthew. He says, follow me. He says, follow me. Now, I imagine that Matthew, who is a Jewish man working for the Roman government collecting taxes. By the way, a tax collector got his job by bidding. He'd say, okay, uh, I think I can collect so, many, so much money of taxes this year. I think I collect more. I could collect more. Okay, here's the price is right, right? So if you were the highest bidder, now you then can really turn, you can really, you can stop anybody and collect taxes. And you can really... Get them, right? So here's Matthew, a Jewish man working through Romans, probably living at large because he's collecting taxes and then some because he's got to live on himself. He, maybe he's feeling bad about himself because he realizes everybody hates me. I come home and my mother and my brother they don't want to talk to me because I'm working for the, the Romans. You know, he's feeling, and Jesus says, you follow me. Christ's words to follow him will change your life. Christ will change your life when he says, follow me. Not only that, Jesus goes to Matthew's house and hangs out with the rest of the tax collectors and sinners and the religious people couldn't stand it because they didn't, they didn't think that they deserved it. But Jesus says, you follow me. The words of Christ to Matthew changed his life. The words of Christ when he says, you follow me. I have a plan for your life. I have good things in store for you. I don't care what people have done. Guess what? Mm-mm. I have a plan. I got something special. You have no idea what I have planned for you. Good things. Oh, man, if you only knew. Christ's words are gracious. They speak life. Now, I want to learn to be like Christ. And so, to, fu- to finish up... I want to learn to speak words of grace. It's interesting that from this word charis, the Greek word, which we get, um, we get uh, things that produce well-being, there's several other Greek words that are stemmed from this. Here's one word, joy. The word joy is kara, same root, joy. You want to speak words of grace, speak joy. You ever notice that people enjoy when you're enjoying life? You ever notice that? No, nobody notices that. I, I notice it, okay? I, okay, I notice it. If you are enjoying yourself, people enjoy you. I did an experiment one time. This is years ago. This is back when people used to, to, to cruise Metro Center. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> okay. I went out driving one. I just, I was, listen, I was lonely guy. I don't know. <laughs> I went and I drove around. I did an experiment. And I went out driving with a big smile on my face. I just went driving and I just, That's cheesy, but you know, genuine is, you know, I got, I don't remember, I got so many people looking over, honking the horn, like, dude, right on, you know, and people, I'm telling you, they noticed, dude, smile, they enjoyed the fact that I was smiling. It, try it out. When you smile, people will smile back at you, won't they? Well, you want them to, but they, if, you, if they see you're enjoying life, it blesses them. You ever notice if you start laughing, you, you, can, you, can, you, can, be, you can just you can start laughing at something, guess what's gonna happen? People are gonna start laughing with you. They don't know what you're laughing at. I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 that's funny. You, know, you, start laughing. you ever notice that? Because people wanna jump. That blesses them. That's joy, that's grace. It's spreading sunshine and not shadows in somebody's life. The word for thankfulness in the Greek also comes from this word. It's eucharistos. We get the word eucharist. It means to be thankful. When you're thankful, it does something to the atmosphere. Man, I'm so thankful. Brother Jerry's here. Every time I talk, now I'm going to point out Jerry. Every time I encounter Jerry... This man is full of praise and thankfulness to the Lord. There's, an, I mean, every single time, for how many years, and now I don't want to embarrass you, brother. He, is, he blesses me because of his thankfulness. Get to know Jerry, because he's a wonderful guy. He blesses me because of his thankfulness, and he, he hates the attention, I know, so I'll steer away from Jerry, but too late, I already died. <laughs> Favor. You can speak words of favor. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. This is God the Father speaking to Jesus or about Jesus. Hey, guys, this is my son. I am pleased with him. When a dad says that about his son, uh-uh, nothing can stop that son. Fathers in the room, the most powerful words you could speak are words of affirmation, words of I believe in you, I love you, you can do it, son. That's better than criticism any day. Criticism is that little nail that you just pierce that balloon, that you just pierce that heart. You just, okay, I understand loving correction is, is needed, but what person needs to hear, 90%, 99% of the time, an attaboy will do more than you stink. They'll remember that you stink and they forget the, the 99 attaboys. And the words of the father to a son or a daughter are some most powerful. That's why if, like, dads, when you have daughters, honor them. You're the first man in their life. You're the first, with your grand, grandfather, grandparents, you're their example. You express favor in, with them. Words that are said in the timely manner express grace. Words that are said with the right tone of voice express grace. I love you. Oh, do you really? <laughs> you know? Tone of voice. My wife is the expert radar machine person in tone of voice. She can sense to the thousands, ten thousands of a decibel above what is normal, and she'll say, you're mad. And she can pick it up. No, I'm Italian is what I am, but, <laughs> but no, she can pick it up. So, I have to be careful because I realize I grew up being Italian and we speak loud, okay? Right? We speak loud. She doesn't. So I have to, turn, I have to learn how to speak in a way as if, as if she was very sensitive in her hearing, which she is. I have to be more thoughtful in how I speak because what I say, how I say it, when I say it, can really impact her. She's not here, so she's out there getting pizza. Yeah. 
So spread sunshine and not shadows. Here's what you want to do. We'll wrap it up. Get rid of the crud. Get rid of the crud. If you want to be cruddy, go in your car, go with the Lord and say, Lord, I am so frustrated. Pour it out to him, right? Don't pour it out to your wife because they'll bring her down. Look for people to build up. Look for, look them out. Search them out for people to bless. Speak in such a way that they feel like they've encountered Christ. That their life, there's something different because they're encountered with you. Your words that you say to another human being can be the difference of life or death, between hope and despair, between encouragement or discouragement. Be like Jesus. Represent him well. Encourage, edify, build up, point him to Christ. Love them, give them grace. Husbands with your wives, dads, mothers with your children, siblings. Do an experiment this week. Here's your challenge for this week. Do an experiment where you will just set out that everyone or that you encounter, you're going to some way try to say something that you know is going to bless them. Let the Lord give you the words and see what happens. And let their, let their lives be changed because you encountered them and represented Christ to them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the fact that your word is life, God. Your word gives us hope. The words of Christ, Lord, I can't think of anything better than to read and, and glean from the words of Christ and to hear the fact that you say, you're going to say, in fact, when we enter into heaven, well done, good and faithful servant. The first words we will hear from you are words of affirmation and encouragement. And Lord, tonight, or this afternoon rather, I want to pray, God, for, for my brothers and sisters in this room. There's, there's someone here that have suffered wounds because of somebody's words. Wounds that, that a mom or a dad has said that have injured uh, this person Tremendously, so that, that doubt and discouragement are a struggle for their life. Um, I, I, I pray, Lord, for, for healing in those wounded areas, God. I speak affirmation to these people, God. This one particular person, Lord, I, I, I pray, Lord, that, that the Holy Spirit would, would administer healing to those, those wounds, God. I bless my brothers and sisters tonight, God. I thank you, Lord, for their love for you, God. I, I thank you, Lord, for their, their patience and their long suffering and their encouragement and their prayers, God. And I bless them, Lord. I pray for marriages in this house, God. I pray that husbands would begin to encourage their wives and begin to encourage their children, Lord, that their mouths would be cleaned up and, and would be full of grace and love and, and that they would water the people around them, God. We give you praise in Jesus' name, amen.